Hey, HBC, welcome once again uh, to my office uh, for another Sunday morning devotion. I uh, hope you're all well, hope you're going well. Um, before I start, and uh, a few thoughts um, through scripture today. Uh, happy Mother's Day, I hope, through this lockdown period. Um, the mothers are doing well, uh, and it's your special day today. I'm sure there's a few IOUs going to go out um, because the shops mainly are closed, but um, I hope you're going well. Hey, I've just got um, a little thought today, and it's on the topic of marriage. And uh, and what I want to look at uh, is three different time periods in marriage, uh, past, present, and the future. Now, before I start, I'm very aware that, um, you know, there might be some um, who haven't had a great experience with marriage, maybe separation, maybe divorce. Um, but I'll just ask you to hang on through um, what I've got to say. And even though it's been tough for you, um, this is not marriage counselling or anything like that, but just a biblical thought. And so I just ask you to hang on to the end because it's an encouragement to all of us um, with the marriage in the future to come. So there are two things um, that are very common, whether it's past, whether it's present, whether it's future marriage in this time period. And there are two common things. There is the engagement, and after the engagement, there is the wedding feast, a time where family and friends get together, um, shared gifts, the marriage service takes place, and you're forever married to the person, your partner. And so these are the two things I want to look at, whether in the past and biblical times, in the future, uh, sorry, in the present now, or in the future, these two things, these two common things um, stand out, the engagement period uh, and also the wedding day or the marriage feast. There's a, a couple of other little things that are common as well, um, and I'll look at them as well if I have time. First and foremost, the past, biblical times, what did marriage look like? Well, marriage started off and it starts off with the parents um, arranging your partner for you. Uh, the parents would get together. They think uh, they're suitable, same tribe, same um, nationality, and they would get together and pick. And in biblical times, mainly the bridegroom or the bride didn't have a choice in who they married. And so that was something different from today, of course. Now, after that, there was um, contracts made up that was binding, and you were engaged. Um, with that, the bridegroom or the father of the bridegroom would give financial support to the bride, and that would help her. That would help her through this period because what would happen next in the engagement time was the bridegroom would go away. He would head away after that. And uh, what was he doing in this time? Well, he was setting up in his father's house, building on more than likely another room or two. So he had separate dwelling place for his bride um, after the wedding day. So he goes away for a while. It could be three months, it could have been six months, it could be a year, setting up the home for his bride-to-be. And then came, um, the after the engagement period, and he had everything set up, then came the wedding day, um, the marriage feast, and they would get their family, their friends, um, and they would all come together and celebrate, and the bride would be presented to the bridegroom, and they would be married, and he would take her back. To his dwellings. And so that was 
um, a quick, if you like, overview of what happened in biblical times in the past. And so what about the future? Well, the, sorry, the present. What happens in the present? Well, probably most of you know what happens in the present. Uh, from my experience only, I can only tell you what I went through. Um, so Kath and I dated for a short period of time, four years. <laughs> and um, after that four-year period, we got engaged. Uh, and in that engagement period, um, we bought a house together. So we had somewhere to stay. Uh, I didn't go away, and certainly uh, I thank the good Lord that my mum and dad didn't choose my bride um, in the Western world. Uh, today we choose our own, and, but I know it's, it's still done in different parts of um, different countries and different cultures like India and parts of China, and that's that's great. In fact, some who go to HBC, um, their, their marriage was arranged for them, and I find that fascinating. Um, as I talk to them of how that worked, and it seems to work. But I chose Kath, um, as I say, dated for four years and then were engaged. We bought a house and then came an amazing day um, when standing up at St. Auburn, Kashmir uh, at St. James, um, my bride came up the aisle and we were married. And after that, we have a big feast, a marriage feast, and um, that was a fantastic time. Uh, really loved it as I, as I look back. And so similarities that we, we were engaged uh, and we had this um, marriage feast, this, this time when we were married and then we spent time with family and friends um, in a meal. So very much just a, a short few things that weren't the same as the Old Testament or biblical times, um, but still the same theme that goes through. Now, I want to look at, if I can, the future. And this is what I've been really thinking about, um, the future uh, marriage to be. And I want to read, if I can, um, to you, Revelation 19. Revelation 19, there is another marriage to take place. And, and, and we'll start, we'll read uh, from verse 1 um, down to verse 9. So verse one, to the first five verses is just for context. It says this, in verse 1 of chapter 19 in Revelation, After these things I heard a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory and honour and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteousness are his judgments because he has judged the great Babylon who has corrupted the earth and he has avenged her by um, the blood of his servants shed by her. Again he said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne. And they said, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne. Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both great and small. In verse 6, so it changes a wee bit. And I heard, as it were, a voice of the great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunders saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made, him, uh, made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen was the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, 
Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll leave it there. The marriage supper of the Lamb. This is what I've been thinking of as I read that in Revelation 19. Revelation 19 is in kind of three parts, but the first two we've read. And the first part is looking back. It's looking back to Babylon. And you'll see there that um, the Lord, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord who's speaking to John says these things about God and who he is. He is the judge. He is true. He is just. And he avenges. He is the almighty. In fact, through Revelation, that word almighty is mentioned nine times. It means as the one who holds everything in control. And this is who the Lord is. And the Lord reigns. The hallelujahs in verses 1, 3, and 4 are all looking back to Babylon. She's been conquered. She is gone. She has been destroyed by the great judge. But from verse 6, we have the hallelujah and looking forward. And that is to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What I love about that little passage and looking at this marriage in the future is that the two things are common again. In fact, there are three things that are common. We have the engagement period. We have the marriage supper. And we also have in between them too is the bridegroom going away and coming back again. And so as we have seen, what is the engagement of the marriage of the future? The engagement was that Christ came and that he was born in a manger. He grew up holy, sinless, but he went to Calvary's cross and he died. And he really gave us the ultimate gift, if you like, himself. He was crucified. He took upon the sin of the world. He died three days in the tomb and rose again and showed him them himself to the disciples. And so he, he gave the ultimate gift to his bride. And then those who trust in him are his. We are his bride. Whoever trusts in Christ are his bride. And that's amazing, isn't it? That the future marriage is the same, same concept as whether it's uh, biblical times or even today. And what I love about it um, what I really love about it is that the bridegroom goes away. It's the same thing, just like in uh, our, um, biblical times. When we come to John's Gospel, just quickly look. In John's Gospel, John 13, and thinking of this concept of the bridegroom leaving his bride for a little while, he's talking to his disciples in John 13 and verse 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. But as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. In verse 36, Peter says, Simon Peter said to the Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And then that beautiful little segment in John 14, in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. 
I go and prepare a place for you and I will come again and I will receive you to myself. That where I am, you will, you will also be with me. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Of course, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that was so beautiful, that picture. And then we've read in 19 that after that engagement period, the bridegroom will come back and he will take, after he's prepared a place for us, he will bring us back and to this wonderful feast, this marriage feast and marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's where we are connected as believers. If we've put our trust in Christ, if we've trusted in his work on Calvary's cross, then we are his and we are his bride. And though he has gone back, uh, he's gone away for a little while, he's coming back for us. And that through this time that we've been going through, as I read that, as I have been thinking of that, the return of Christ for his bride, that should bring us joy no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're suffering, no matter how we're feeling through this time, locked away, we have a, a, an amazing hope of the Lord Jesus and coming back for us. And as I was thinking of this, I was thinking that, man, it's like he, before he even started time, before he even created, God had a plan that he would introduce marriage to men and women and, and they would be engaged, uh, bridegroom would go away, come back for his bride. And it was just a picture, a shadow of what Christ would do. The main picture, the main theme of the whole of Scripture is shown in a simple act of what we probably take for granted when we go to a wedding. This is a picture of what's going to happen in the future. And the way things are going, maybe it's soon, maybe it's soon that um, Jesus has finished preparing a place for us and he's coming back for his bride. So be encouraged no matter what you're going through. Be encouraged through this time. Thank you.